marketing is not something that happens overnight. You're trying to create relationships. You're trying to just create the initial conversation. You're trying to open the door for them to have the opportunity to build a relationship, right? So that can take time. And as we know, the life cycle of a project, even the life cycle of starting a project, it can be immediate, it can be years, right? So the more relationships you are developing at an earlier stage, the more success and the more opportunities you're going to have. Welcome to another episode of Best Practice, a show where we interview leaders in the building industry to unpack the tools, strategies, and tactics they use to run great organizations. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Brian McCartney. Brian is a co-founder of ArcMark, a marketing agency focused on architecture firms and their success. Thank you, Brian, for joining me. Well, thanks so much, George, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, so um, the topic we're going to be talking about today is basically branding, covering a little bit about branding, covering a little bit about uh, LinkedIn uh, specifically. But I would love to start off with how, you know, ArcMark, how'd you get started, and maybe give us a little bit of the backstory there. Yeah, so um, I've been involved in uh, branding, I would call it creative communications. That's kind of the umbrella that I use. So that my career is kind of. Uh, I've done a lot of different things over the years. I started out as a print designer. I kind of went into multimedia design, which nobody remembers, but that was a short period kind of between print and it was the first odes into digital media. And then from there, I went into uh, internet or, or you know, web-based uh, design and marketing. My first big break was working with Unilever. They were, uh, they're a large a company, a worldwide company that uh, creates all kinds of different brands, um, consumer brands like Q-Tips and Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Those are Unilever products, so a wide range of products. And my my kind of big foray into the online world was as creative director for an in-house group that really headed up the uh, kind of the first steps for these brands online. So my team and I, basically the, these brand managers would come in and they say, what can we do on the web? And I would basically, we would basically come up with strategies for them and then execute those strategies. And then from there, I had the opportunity to go to Switzerland. I worked for a big agency there. I was responsible for online communications for General Motors. They were my main client, but we had a lot of other big clients as well. And then in 2003, I left, I left the agency and, and big business world and decided to start my own firm. And since then, I've had different phases of my career. I was doing a lot of photography and video for a while. Then I came back to the U.S. in 2012. And my wife and I, we've been working together now uh, since 2007. We started our first firm, in, our first agency in, while we were in Switzerland. And then uh, we came back to the U.S. We kind of started fresh uh, here. In, uh, I'm in Estero, Florida, which is on the west coast of Florida. And um, for the past uh, four years, I believe, yeah, it was about four years, we've really been focused on uh, the building industry and really specifically on architects specifically and helping them to communicate their value, help them to create opportunities to build relationships with the people that can help them get the projects they want and, and the clients they want. So that's, that's a nutshell, I guess. Yeah. So that's quite a journey uh, going from like very large brands and making your way back here, ultimately deciding to focus on the building industry, which yeah. what, what, what led to that choice out of, you know, since you were yeah. so much in CPG going to build the building industry seemed like a big. Yeah. So when we moved to Florida, um, I know that you're from Florida and you probably know that there's a lot of building that goes on in Florida, a lot of development. And so when we kind of came to this area, area, we realized that there were a lot of, there's a lot of opportunities in that area. And initially we, we did focus on, I would say more the construction, custom home building market, mm -hmm. but ultimately we ended up, uh, we ended up starting to work with an architect uh, through, you know, a, a, some connections. We met this architect 
And that initial first project was, it was really satisfying for us. We really felt that this architect had a very uh, similar approach to things as we did. There was a lot of synergies in our thinking and our approaches. And it led us to further investigate the industry. And as we dug in and started to learn more about architects, we saw a lot of opportunity to help them. One of the big things we did was we actually studied, uh, we evaluated over 450 architecture firm websites. And through that, we, we discovered that a vast majority of architects really weren't grasping the value of online marketing and online digital marketing. And their websites were really more like brochures or portfolios and, and really not dynamic and really not helping them to attract the kind of clients that they really want. And so we saw that opportunity and that, that just, you know, we just kept digging, right. And keep going and, and you find out more and more, and then you start building relationships. And that's really been the focus for us now for the last couple of years. Yeah. And what's, what's the kind of range of firms that you've been working with? Like, is it mostly on a smaller scale, uh, mid-size? Yeah, it's been a range. I mean, we've, we've actually worked with some solo firms here and there, some people that we know well and, and who we see an opportunity to help. But we've also, I would say more of the firms that we work with, they're probably, the firm owner is probably in mid-50s or, or older They've kind of spent at least 10 to 15 years building their firm up to where it is. Mm-hmm. And now they're kind of looking down the line and they're saying, you know, in 10 to 15 years, I'm going to want to retire. What is my game plan for not only uh, getting my business uh, really, really working in a profitable, sustainable, more resilient way, but also down the road, they're thinking about like, what's the, sex, the exit plan, the secession plan. And so our big pitch is that we want to help you to build up that firm so that you're bringing in the projects that you really want to work on for the remainder of your career. But you're also focusing on building value in your, mm-hmm. in your firm so that when you do decide to move on and, and retire or do whatever you want, you have something of value that you can pass on or sell or, you know, go through an M&A or something like that. I will say that being said, we actually are working with some younger firms as well who are more in what I would call the startup phase and looking at opportunities of how we can help them to really accelerate their growth so that they they get to the the objectives that mm-hmm. they want quicker. Yeah, and I can imagine, I mean, that, that's, that's pretty fascinating, the that part of marketing strategy is this idea of, well, I mean, having a really solid marketing strategy at any, li- at any point of the life cycle of a firm is important. But the fact that, that you're coming in and providing this, uh, maybe like a refresh on that strategy for them at a later stage, but with, with a clear intention of, okay, like we're trying to set you up for something like M&A, which I'm, I, I'm really interested in, in touching, kind of circling back on that later. Um, but for these, let's say for the startups, I think ultimately, no matter where they are in the spectrum, there, and I'm sure you've identified that there's a gap in knowledge about what marketing means, that what how, how marketing can be impactful for whether yeah. you're a young startup or a, a much uh, more mature firm. What are the kind of things that you sort of have to reteach people throughout the process, right? Or or teach them from the very first time. Yeah, and usually it's that that's the case. It's usually teaching them uh, for the first time because you know this. I mean, we talk about this all the time. This is not stuff that you learn in uh, design school, right? It's not part of your normal curriculum. So if you're not learning this in the early stages of your career through a mentor or someone else, there's a lot of confusion around the four terms that I tend to focus on, which are advertising, branding. PR and marketing, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't mind, I just want to kind of delve into that a little bit. So when, we, when we're talking about advertising, advertising is really like a one too many kind of, it's not a conversation. It's you kind of blasting your message to a mass audience. Marketing is that more of that one-to-one conversation. And 
and there's a lot of terms that get thrown around in the architecture space, like business development, right? You know, I kind of look at business development as kind of like the, the early stage of the selling process where a lot of architects kind of bristle at that. They're like, oh, no, it's not that. We're building relationships. Yeah, yes, sales. that's what sales is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but uh, then you have public relations. So public relations is when somebody like an influencer like you or, or maybe Mark LePage, who we know, both know well, um, that's when they're saying something like, hey, trust me, here's a really great architect and, and they're referring back to you. So these are the different kind of conversations that you can create in terms of the, let's say, advertising, marketing, PR umbrella. But over all of that, you have another umbrella and that's called branding. And branding really defines how you proceed on all of those different fronts. So it's really like branding is really the kind of like, you know, and, and there's maybe other people a little bit smarter than me that, that have come up with the notion of there's two prevailing ideas. One is that branding is really about how you're differentiating yourself, how you're making yourself look unique and different from everybody else. The other is that branding is really the perception that is created about you or your firm. So in that context, branding isn't your brand, not branding, but your brand really isn't something that you can tangibly own. It's something that's created by the actions you take. And so when we look at advertising, marketing, public relations, and when we, when we talk about that in the context of branding, we want to make sure that the messages that we're giving out, the, the communications that we're creating, the conversations that we're having with not only the clients, but our partners and other influencers, that all of those are aligned to the brand perception that we want to create. Does that make sense? No, totally, totally. Uh, yeah, that's really clear. But my question then would be, you know, for a let's say a smaller firm, or, or yeah. even in the context of, of your of your client base, right? You you bring up like four different topics. One of which is like the umbrella that influences yeah. all the other three, right? One the brand, yeah. the brand piece is super important. But the question might be, well, where do I ultimately start, and which one of these should I focus on? Because obviously they they all involve a, a different set of prioritization. They have very different tactics and they, they just tangibly look and feel different, even from the perspective of expense. Like when some of these are much more cost effective than others. Um, so where would you start with someone in that process for them to understand, okay, what out of these things that I could be doing, what should I focus yeah. on? Yeah. So that's a really good question. And there's a lot of factors that'll go into determining how we would approach that with a particular client. And I, I would hesitate to say, oh, you want to start here or here or here without knowing somebody's situation and also knowing what their goals are. Here's what I'll say to that, though, is that a lot of clients come to us and they already have a lot of clarity about who they are, what they stand for, and what they want to create in terms of an experience for their clients. So these three principles we refer to as your purpose. So Simon Sinek would call that your why, mm. right? So why do you do what you do? And what, what purpose are you trying to achieve? What, what legacy, you know, is it a legacy they're trying to leave? Do you want to create amazing buildings that bring people together? Do you want to serve uh, underprivileged people with affordable housing? What is your purpose? Why are you doing this? The second is kind of your promise, right? That's that experience that you want to create uh, for your clients, primarily for your clients, but it could also be for your employees, right? So uh, the third is your position. So what dominant position do you want to have in the market? So what do you want to be known for? What area of expertise do you want to develop and kind of own as your little, we call that the unfair advantage, the things that other people can't easily replicate. So if you're a firm that already has some clarity around those ideas, right? Those three core ideas, I would say that 
the focus probably isn't around like, oh, we need to rebrand or, or, or delve into what our brand is. It's, it's more about bringing those ideas to the surface and make sure that they're communicated to your, your employees, but also to your current clients, to your future clients. And one of the ways we do that is through a process that we call the Clear Story Workshop. And Clear Story Workshop is all about understanding who your ideal client is and then constructing what we call a client journey. So it's, it's, a, it's a process that's based on the hero's journey, if you're familiar with Joseph Campbell. Yeah. But really what we're trying to do is we're trying to understand the motivations, the client, and, and why, why they're going to choose one firm over another. What are some of the issues that we can alleviate for them? So we call those the pain points, right? Like what pain can you take away from them to give them trust, to help them form trust in you and understand that you understand or help them understand that you know what the issues or problems that they're dealing with are and that you're going to be, you're going to be able to help them in a constructive way. So that clear story process is really where we typically start with, with like, as I said, you know, some of our clients are, are kind of older, they're more established. And so they may have a good sense of these three core principles of the brand. And so that clear story might be a good point to start. If it's a younger firm and they're trying to define that brand, then we would, we would start with our, what's called our brand build process, which is really about delving into those three core principles that I talked about. Does that make sense? Is that so? Yeah, totally, totally. In the, yeah. the um, at Monograph, we use very similar um, yeah, strategies, sure. um, and so it, it definitely resonates with us. And what I really appreciate about what you, what you're talking about is that you're defining a strategy in which to narrow down your tactics. I mean, basically everything yeah. by doing the, the the kind of three that three pillar approach. And, and focusing, let's say, on, on your, like, what's your, your purpose, uh, which is really interesting because I think a lot of people don't, but they, they might not reflect on that in, in a way. They might think that, that that's not as tangible of a thing to work on. But what happens right. by focusing on your, on your purpose is that, like everything else, you're going to, like, if, when it's very clearly defined and it permeates everything else that you do, you will find the people that are very interested in what you're doing and your right because from purpose emanates an opinion oftentimes yeah. a perspective yeah. and a passion that people that care about those things will find you will know for you that you are the person to contact for you know for, for that kind of thing and and what one one other kind of uh benefit from that is that you then so if, if it's one is like people can find you one is you then know who to approach you only want to be focusing on people that help you accomplish your purpose and, and so it's both a, a two-way street that helps to really narrow in on basically everything else that you're going to do from then on. Well, and I think you bring up a good point, right? So if we just focus on the purpose part, right? Having clarity on your purpose is if you live that to its fullest extent as a firm, right? That's going to reflect in all the things that you do, all the choices you make, the people you hire, the clients you choose to work with, Right. And I don't want to overstate, like, you know, there is a reality. You have to pay the bills. And depending on where you are in your firm's life cycle, you may be, you may be struggling to pay the bills, or you may be, you may be telling people, no, we, we, we can't do that project, right? So as you develop that, that purpose becomes really important because it helps you make those kind of decisions right? Does this align with our purpose? It's a very simple question, but it's one that often people don't ask. And that's where we find, quite honestly, when clients come to us, and especially the, the older clients, you know, what we find is that there's been a history, not in all cases, but in some cases, there's been a history of making choices that don't align with the purpose. Mm. And what that leads to is it leads to kind of a um, commoditization because you end up competing for jobs that maybe aren't ideal for you that don't fit your purpose. And this spreads out your expertise and your knowledge base in a way that is counterproductive. And it forces you to kind of make compromises to either win projects or to complete them. 
that you wouldn't have to make if you were focused on doing those things that align with that process, right? Because, or that purpose, because the more you focus on your purpose, the better you get, the more expertise you build up, the more experience you build up, and it becomes second nature to do those kind of projects and <clears throat> and fulfill that purpose. Whereas if you're just, you know, kind of getting scattershot opportunities, you don't have that opportunity. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like uh, part of also narrowing on your purpose and everything else that comes with it, right? Even, even, even this is exercise of the, of the client journey, which is, you know, in, yeah. in maybe a, a concrete example, it would be something like you're an architect that really cares about let's say, sustainable residential uh, projects. And that's just something that you're really passionate about. You think about well, well, here's an example. I'll just give you an example. Uh, we have a client and they really enjoy working with nonprofit clients. And, and they have a very, they have two specific areas. So one is performing arts centers and, you know, like theaters and things like that. The other is with nonprofit kind of, so there's two categories. There's the kind of animal rescue humanitarian type of uh, client. And then there's the, um, what I would call the human rescue kind of humanitarian client. So these clients are both aligned. I would say that the, the theater clients are, are still within this umbrella of like this idea of working with nonprofits and wanting to help them succeed, but they have more clarity on the humanitarian side where they're really focused on this idea that they want to create these centers, uh, whether it's for an animal rescue uh, nonprofit or for a, a rehab or recovery type of nonprofit, but they want to create these beautiful centers that are in the wilderness that have, you know, n- a number of different buildings, create kind of this campus environment that they can design from the ground up. And this is what they've started to achieve a lot of success with. So that's a, a way of thinking about it. Like, like that's a really concrete example. They have, it all started with their love of animals. The owner has rescued a number of dogs and he, he loves, you know, that, that kind of, you know, be around people who ha- share that enjoyment and, and um, kind of, it all kind of started from that. Yeah. And the, in that example, what's also great is ultimately when, because the connection is pretty clear about it being coming from a, a sense of purpose mm-hmm. and then going all the way to like finding the ideal type of client and, and how that's paired up with expertise. But I, I guess the other really interesting thing about that is that I'm sure for the, the, your client on that front, you could probably have developed a strategy, just focus completely on how to find that type of customer specifically. And I'm very curious to understand like, well, how do you find them? Once you understand where your purpose is, how do you start to source for them? Like, what do you use? What kind of channels are you, are you looking for? The first place we started with that client was actually through those workshops that I, I talked about. The Clear Story workshop was our, our kind of starting point with them. And with that process, you know, we kind of learned a lot about, and here's what I would say is at the beginning of that process, it wasn't clear what, you know, they had an idea. They, they knew they wanted to work with more nonprofits, but as we went through that process, it become clearer and clearer and clearer the specific types of nonprofits they want to work with. Right. And then once we got through that process, so we looked at what are the next steps? What do, what do we need to do? One of the things that we needed to do was to revamp their website. They had an outdated website that needed to be updated, modernized. It wasn't getting them any SEO search engine optimization value. They weren't getting found easily online. And so we started with that. So we took what we learned in the clear story process and then applied that to the process of writing the content for their website and telling the story about them and defining what kind of content we were going to have on the site. Then once we got the website done, we started looking at, okay, how are we going to connect with these types of clients? What are the, what are the best ways to do that? Now, in our experience, we do a lot of work with our clients and there's usually, I will say that it's, there's, there's a couple of things that we'll identify that usually tell us which direction to go. With this client, it was pretty clear after a little bit of initial research 
that we could reach quite a lot of their potential clients and the people who influence those potential clients through direct outreach on LinkedIn. So that's where we went with them. And I'm really happy to say that that was a good choice because within two weeks, we were able to land them a $6 million project with a nonprofit animal rescue client. And they're currently in the process of, you know, they've, they've done the master plan now and they're moving on to the different stages. And it's really exciting to see that happen. I mean, it's really happened pretty quickly and at the peak of COVID here. So uh, <laughs> I, was, I was really happy to see that result for them. And I'm really proud of all the hard work that they put into it, you know, along with us to really be able to, to kind of reach out to that. You know, we, we were able to help them make that connection with that client and that, that it just happened so quickly and, and it's, it's just been a huge success story. So, yeah. Someone uh, asked a question, which I was kind of dovetailing into this, which had to do with um, uh, maybe to summarize it. It's more about the questions focus on like the, the addressable market of a, of a specific type of client. So in this case, it's a very specific type of animal rescue, right? Uh, type of right. organization. You know, they're probably within the vicinity of the area that this your client could operate in, right? They might only have a license in one state. That narrows down the number of people that they could address, right? Or, or in, in, in their market. So, you know, how do you go about understanding the total addressable market on that front? And then with your client to help them on, because all this gets to is like, you know, there's only a limited amount of people that might be in a certain type of demographic. They might not always be looking for the next campus to build out. No, nope, so you're right. When, when, how do you help a client identify the, let's say the triggers or the early signs a potential customer might want to need an architect or understand it? Let's be real about something. Now, this, in this case that I cited, you know, we were in the right time, right place, right message, right? And that's not going to happen every day with every client, right? It's, it's a, it, it, you know, some, some things aligned for us to be able to have that kind of success. But here's the thing, the fact that we went out and started helping them to communicate very clearly what it was that they wanted to do and the type and, and target that message to a type of client that they wanted to attract, that really helped move this forward, right? And in a way that doesn't normally happen because most architects, to be honest in our experience, aren't specifically communicating what they do, the value of what they do, and who they do it for, right? So I would say in answer to that question, yes, you have a question of like, the addressable market, right? Our approach, and, and when we work with clients, we always tell them the same thing. Marketing is not something that happens overnight. You're trying to create relationships. You're trying to just tr create the initial conversation. You're trying to open the door for them to have the opportunity to build a relationship, right? So that can take time. And as we know, the life cycle of a project, even the life cycle of starting a project, it can be immediate, it can be years, right? So the more relationships you are developing at an earlier stage, the more success and more opportunities you're gonna have. And that's what we really focus on. Now, to get more specific, you know, yeah, we looked at, like I, for example, this client wanted to do animal rescue, right? And they're, they don't limit themselves to just Florida, right? They're, they're licensed in a, a few different states and they've actually, they've worked with other architects to fulfill projects in, in other states that they're not licensed in. So for them, they didn't see a limitation of just working in Florida or just working in their area in Florida. But we did a very short, I spent maybe a couple of hours on LinkedIn looking at, you know, how many people could I find that were directors of animal rescue centers in the U.S. And I found nearly 200 
in a in maybe a couple hours. So that tells me that this client has found a really good opportunity to build, you know, like they will have a great opportunity to work with multiple clients. And, and yeah, a lot of those actually were in Florida. I mean, you know, when we were going through those, I was like, I was surprised how many were in Florida, but yeah. So I don't know if I completely answered that question, but I I think that gives you a better oversight of how we approach it and where the opportunities can lie. Right. And, I mean, what, what I like that you're highlighting is, you know, LinkedIn as a vehicle to source potential leads Yeah, uh, and how powerful that is because you, you know, it definitely depends on who your target customer is. Again, resonating back to your purpose, right? If, sure. If it's, if like you're a person that has just so much expertise in residential and that is a place that you like to play in. Uh, It's likely that you're not going to need, you might not look at LinkedIn as a proper place, depending on, on like who you're targeting. Cause you could also target by like, uh, uh, actually uh, you could, you could definitely target by not only title, but also the types of companies that have people who may need. Can I give you another example? (laughs) So I have a, I have a a potential client out uh, in the Bay area. And um, so they, they do high end, I would call them designer homes, right? Custom architecturally designed homes. And um, their target audience is VCs who are founders or uh, CEOs and also doctors and, you know, doctors, I'll call it doctors, dentists, and lawyers, high earning professionals. So we've developed uh, personas for these two audiences, and there's a lot of crossover as well, but we have a very clearly defined idea of who these people are, even down to the kind of cars that they would have in their garage. So it's yeah. very, you know, and you can, you can use that information to then go on LinkedIn and say, okay, VCs, technology, you know, and then sort out like who are the leaders in this space, who are the founders, who are the CEOs, who are the people that we want to talk to. And it's, it's very doable, yeah, <laughs> even yeah. in residential. No, yeah. As I was saying that, cause you know, you were thinking it already. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, the, you know, <laughs> Facebook is obviously another, another vehicle and Instagram is attended as sure. part and parcel with Facebook in some ways. Cause you can use, uh, you can deploy ads on, on both platforms or one, in one, one city. But you know, all, all these are different channels that you can use depending on, you know, reinforced when you really have a clear understanding of what your purpose is, who the, the kind of products that you like to, to operate in. So you can yeah. put in on a specific message, right? For right. I'm not trying to argue that LinkedIn is always the answer. It's not. The reason that LinkedIn works, especially for like commercial or institution, governmental, that kind of stuff, it works better for those audiences uh, because people are on LinkedIn are expecting to get contacted for business purposes, right? So they they already have an expectation that they're going to be contacted on LinkedIn. I would say that uh, for some clients, uh, looking at something like Facebook or Instagram might be a better option, but it's also a different approach because you're not approaching people with this business mindset, you know, uh, and also, and, and, and to be clear too, like with Instagram, well, with these two other platforms, they have their own logics that exactly. are effective for them. So like Facebook, you don't just add a friend, right? You don't reach out to right. potential clients that like try to add them as a friend. It's likely right. that you'd have to like run ads against that type of audience yes. in order to kind of capture their interest. And, and oftentimes what you're doing at that point is not even trying to give them a, it's like, hey, it's, it, you, you don't want to say like a, Hey, hire an architect today. It's probably more right. aligned to a pain point that they have before yes. they even think to hire an architect. So you would like put an ad that, to like a blog post that talks about how to find the perfect home, which is more right. about pre setting the yep. table in a way yeah. for like your services later. Again, it's just getting that foot in the door to have that conversation, right? And I think you know you're you're absolutely right about that. That's. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people, we get a lot of architects that ask us about Instagram, you know, oh, I've heard Instagram's great, you know, and, and it, it can be great. And I think what Instagram's really good at helping you do is build a following, right? Mm. So what happens when you build a following, right? And 
you know, when we talk to our clients about our approach to marketing, you know, as a rule, there's three areas that we focus on. Number one is increasing your visibility. Uh, People in the marketing world will call this building brand awareness, right? Uh, The second one is increasing your influence and your authority. So this is kind of the content marketing part of it, where we're creating content that helps position you as an expert, helps to helps people to identify you as somebody who has a lot of knowledge, expertise, and experience within a certain sphere, right? And then the third area is in what I would call the um, the finding, connecting, and attracting your ideal target audience. And that's more the traffic generation part of it, right? So I think Instagram can play a really key role in that kind of building awareness and then the um, building authority, building influence. And I do believe it can also help contribute to the traffic generation. But, But keep in mind, it's a different approach than LinkedIn. With LinkedIn, we create a list of people that we we feel satisfy certain criteria and identify them as either uh, potential clients, uh, potential strategic partners, or potential influencers, or what we call promoters. So, you know, we're trying to connect with those kind of people on LinkedIn. And so we're directly targeting those people and then sending them messages that are directly aligned with that purpose and showing them, hey, we have this we have this purpose, we have this experience, we have this expertise, we know how to do this type of thing. And when you're ready to do something like that, we're the people to go to, right? So with Instagram, you're, you're, I would say that Instagram is more akin, and this isn't a, a one-to-one comparison, but it's more, of a, it's more of a blend of the, as we defined earlier, the advertising approach and the marketing approach, right? Mm-hmm. You're having you're having this platform where you're trying to reach a large number of people and then draw them into conversations, right? And doing that within the brand umbrella, right? right. So um, so it's a little bit of a different approach. And whereas I see Instagram more as a numbers game, where I see LinkedIn more as a, a targeted kind of more precise mm-hmm. approach. Is, does that make sense? Do yeah, you yeah, agree no, or disagree? I, no, I, I, I certainly agree. I think the, all, this is, all this is reinforced by the idea of that client journey. So Yeah, absolutely. So if, like, if you're able to map out, I'll, use, I'll kind of walk people through like an example of like a, a residential client because I kind of referenced that earlier. So let's say someone is looking to buy a home. It's likely that they're or, or to buy a piece of property or to, they have an idea of a new home they want to live in. Oftentimes, and we can even use ourselves as examples of how we typically go about it. Oftentimes, we're not looking for the architect as the first step. They no. come way downstream in a series of other, let's say, more information gathers. Yep. So, like typically, what you do is like you'll go on Google, search for, you know, how do I buy a piece of property? Because that's the first step, right? You got to figure that out. Meanwhile, you have all these people between your client and the architect, right? that are like the broker that comes in and advises on a certain thing. But all through that whole process, there's there's actually touch points, questions that, that people are asking in Google and other, on other channels yes. of like to understand the entire process. And if, if, the, if like an architecture firm, right, maybe uh, so someone asked like uh, uh, what approach a six-person firm might do in a small market, you might want to focus on writing content that helps advise people on how to – buy a piece of property in your specific market because there could be specific um, zoning requirements, things that they need to look out for. And by doing that, you're establishing expertise and building trust, which over time makes you a no-brainer to approach for for your services. That's exactly right. And and we have another client who is a residential uh, home uh, designer architect. Um, They do interiors, they do do ground up buildings and, and all that. She's really specific. It's Sanibel and Captiva Island, mm-hmm. Florida, right? So if you're familiar with that, it's not a big place. Yeah. And But there are a lot of people who come here to purchase property on Sanibel or Captiva or they purchase an old, an old house that they're going to tear down and they're going to they're gonna rebuild. 
And she has positioned herself, and, and we've helped her to do this, but she has positioned herself over the years as the authority on how to build a modern custom home that really fits in that environment, mm -hmm. right? And her audience is very specific. She is looking for people who have, you know, the, the means these are usually people who collect art and have, uh, you know, work with a financial advisor on a regular basis to manage their wealth. And so she's got a lot of potential touch points. She's got uh, relationships with realtors on the island, with bankers on the island who, are, you know, approve loans and, and, and things like that, title companies and uh, all kinds of other touch points. And Basically, when when the questions come up, you know, yeah. like who who would you recommend or or whatever, they all say, yeah, you want to go with her because she knows how to how to build you the right type of home. Now, now if they're looking for uh, you know a Spanish uh, <laughs> style kind of a uh, uh, place that is very typical down here, she's not going to go for that, and and that because it's not part of her purpose. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's yeah and like yeah, there's another uh, concept uh, associated with this that I really really I, I thought a lot about which is this idea that architects are actually content generators um, oh general. they are and so when, when you look at it from that perspective you're constantly generating content and, and, and there needs a track like yeah if people can see from your body of work that there is a clear line yeah, and it's very clear for them to understand. Okay, this is the person I need to go to for this. Yeah, from the from the firm, firm owner position, you might feel uh, uncomfortable with that because it feels like you're letting opportunities slip, in a way. But what mm. actually could ha what actually does yeah. happen is maybe is the reverse. People know that you're the go to person for this, and if there's if you pick a sort of uh, you know if your passions align with a large enough community you will be found more often than not yeah. uh, through all these touch points that you're mentioning. Well, well here's, a, here's a good example. And I'll use myself as an example, right? Um, uh, years ago, when we first moved to Florida, it was about eight years ago, before we started working with architects. You know, we came here and, okay, uh, you know, I told you a little bit about my background. My wife has a similar background. She ran a, she was actually, the reason we went to Switzerland was because her PR firm elected her to go start their European operations in Zurich. And so that's how we got the opportunity to go there. So she has this incredible background and experience. I have this incredible background and experience. And when we came here, we thought, oh, it's going to be so easy to get clients. We'll just talk about all the great things that we've done, all the great clients that we've worked for, and it'll be a no brainer. But what we didn't realize is that, you know, we were just kind of really just trying like anybody could be a client to us and that didn't make us special <laughs> right in the eyes of those potential clients they didn't see us as real experts and what we learned was that the 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 firms here locally that were doing things the right way they weren't necessarily narrowing down on lawyers or real estate agencies or anything like that what they were doing was they were specialists in working here right and knowing having the relationships here and and because they had grown up here they knew everybody right so they had this kind of built-in network they knew who everybody was and how to get things done whereas we didn't have that advantage and that that really played a role in us deciding to narrow down and focus on a niche but the value of having a niche and this is the thing that people always say to me they're like oh well if I focus on a niche, that means I'm going to not get these other opportunities. That is not the case at all. We get other opportunities all the time because of the expertise that we have with architects. People say, oh, well, you do that for architects. I bet you could do that for me. The difference is we have the benefit of being able to say, mm, no, that's not a good fit for us. If it's not, you know, if it's truly not a good fit, right. but if it's right. something exciting and it's something that we really want to do, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go after that. And I think architects have the same opportunities. Well, that, that that's a really helpful example uh, from cut from your own uh, your own story. So um, this is part of a lightning round. So these are a series of short questions with hopefully short yeah. answers. Okay. Um, 
What are your favorite tools to use right now? There's two. I'll, I'll mention two. Uh, one is called Descript. It is a, um, so it's a tool that allows you to take audio and video, upload it into Descript, and then it will automatically transcribe everything. And then uh, you get, you can basically, uh, I use it for everything. I use it for meetings. I use it for interviews with clients. Right. I yeah, use it yeah. for content generation. And uh, once everything's transcribed, you can actually copy and paste the text into what are called new compositions. And then that audio goes along with it. So you can basically edit your podcast, your client interview, whatever you want in text. And uh, it, it works brilliantly. It's a really cool tool. The other one is called Phrase, F-R-A-S-E. I think it's phrase.io. It's a tool for uh people who want to generate content. So uh, one of the big hurdles of content generation is doing the research and figuring out what other people have written and kind of getting the idea engine running about what you want to say. Phrase is a tool that you can put in a search term, a Google, a question that a client might have or a Google search that you want to rank for. And Phrase will help do that research for you and provide you with sources, including questions that people ask, other articles that have been written. So you can kind of see what, what has been written and make something unique. And it will also give you even, it'll pull statistics out of those articles so that you can refer to in your, in your own. So a really great tool. And that one, by the way, if you're an AppSumo person like I am, there's a deal currently on AppSumo for that. Oh, and that's I, great. Yeah. I don't have an affiliate link, so yeah, but yeah. this is just a freebie. <laughs> no, I, we, we've, uh, we've, we are looking at Descript for uh, turning this into a podcast. And, yeah, Descript is yeah. awesome. And yeah. if nothing else, just go watch their promo video on their website. It is so cool. It's a lot of fun. Can you tell us the nicest thing anyone has ever done for you? Boy, that's hard. I've... So um, I'll try to make this quick. Um, when I was one years old, I had an accident and I was burned. I, um, I lost about a third of my scalp. So actually I wear a, a, a wear hairpiece and um, I grew up with, uh, you know, a lot of kids teasing me and, and bullying me and, and things like that. And um, my mother, um, my mother's had a number, number of different relationships, which I'm not going to go into. I'm not going to judge her or anything like that. But I had a rough childhood for a while. And, um, you know, uh, she finally married uh, someone that who's very helpful to me in my, in my life and um, helped me see that I was uh, worth a lot more than I, I thought of myself at the yeah. time. Yeah. So, yeah, that... That I think uh, really changed things for me. Um, it came at a pivotal time in my life. I was, you know, 14, 15 years old, and uh, having somebody kind of lift me up and say, you know, you're a good person and you're worth the things that you get in life. That was really a big change for me. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, it's always good to. I like that question because I think it's really great to kind of reflect a little bit on. That's a, that's a, um, and that just like, um, if you don't, if you're not ready for that, you're like, oh man, <laughs> that's yeah. a good one. I'll figure out when I can answer that one at some point. Um, so <laughs> yeah, we're, we're close to time. And since there are no other questions, um, I'd love to just roll out the red carpet for you. Uh, let yeah. everyone know what you're working on, what's upcoming for you. All right. Well, before you, before everybody logs off, I want to let you know that I'm, I'm going to be co-organizing I'm co-organizing the Architect Success Forum. That is taking place September 21st through the 25th. We have uh, we have 12 different sessions so we have 10 expert speakers and two panels. And all of these people are architects, marketing, branding, copywriting, lead generation people, so there's going to be a ton of value in this event. All our speakers are going to be sharing their uh, their best practices for uh, branding, communication, marketing, lead generation, website design. And that event, if you go to, um, you don't need a www. It's just forum.arcsuccess, A-R-C-H, success.com. 
If you go to that website, you can learn all about the um, event. Uh, you can see who our speakers are you, and you can sign up. Uh, you can attend three sessions over the week for free, or you can get our, uh, you can get our VIP ticket for $197 that gets you access to all of the speakers. It also gets you recordings of all of the presentations. And then there's some additional uh, freebies and giveaways that some of our speakers are going to be providing as well. So that would be my, that, you know, <laughs> that's, that's my last hurrah there is plugging that event. I, we're really excited about this event. We've got a lot of interest in it already. Um, the other thing is that if you want to learn more about ArcMark and uh, maybe read some articles on our blog, please go to arcmark.co. And you can find out a little bit more about what we do and, and some of the things that we find important for architects. And then if you want to connect with me directly, I invite you to connect with me on LinkedIn to get to my profile. It's really easy because I've made it really easy. Type in Brilliant Brian, and I spelled my name a little bit differently. It's Brian with a yo. So it's B-R-Y-O-N, brilliantbrian.com. And that'll take you directly to my LinkedIn profile. And just when you connect with me, send me a little message and say, hey, I saw you on the best practices webinar with, uh, with George and Monograph. So that'll let me know that you were on here and that you saw this. And then I'd love to hear what you thought about this past hour and uh, uh, hope that it was worth your time. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, thanks so much for joining. Brian, thank you so much for, for joining me again. Uh, this was really fun. And I actually would love to have you again to, to talk a little bit more about marketing, which is my, uh, one of my own personal. George, you can, you can ask me anytime. And if I don't hear from you for a while, I'll bug you. Perfect. <laughs> well, there you go, folks. We have, a, we have a date scheduled sometime in the future. All right. Thanks, everyone. Love it. Thanks, George. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining us here at Monograph. We're building the future of practice operations and back office management for small to medium-sized firms. Monograph is designed for architects by architects. It's a great way to actually see a unifying vision of your firm in one easy and beautifully designed solution. It helps you understand where you are on any given project, what your schedules, budgets look like. You can start a free trial today at monograph.io or watch a live demo with Robert, our CEO. Every Friday, he walks through the product and answers any questions that you have. Can I give Monograph a quick plug? Uh, sure. So, so in all the softwares, especially if you're worried about adoption and you know the transformation to kind of digital practice, never underestimate the effect of a good UX. Good user experience will carry your users into the platform and the software with embedded practices in ways that you can't imagine. Monograph with their UX is by far, I think, much more adapted to the type of project management in the industry than kind of out-of-the-box software elsewhere. I really appreciate that. Yeah, we invest a lot of time and energy just trying to make sure that people have a really good onboarding experience. And we've released some new embedded support options that are well-received right now. So thanks for that. Really appreciate it. The customer cares of where it's at. Yeah. Josh agrees here in the, in the channel. That's awesome, Josh. Thanks. All right. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.